In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. It's been a while since we've heard from him, but our old pal Isaiah the Rapper is back at it again in our first reading this weekend. We're hearing from his third album, chapters 56 to 66, which take place after the time of exile. The people of Israel are returning home, but they're returning to the destroyed city of Jerusalem. Isaiah wants to comfort them and fill them with joy at what's going to happen soon in Jerusalem. In this final chapter of the entire book, Isaiah compares Zion, that's another name for Jerusalem, to a woman about to give birth. Shall I bring a mother to the point of birth and yet not let her child be born, says the Lord? In other words, the Lord God is bringing Zion to a new birth, and she'll have the splendor of new glory as a restored nation. That's where our first reading picks up. Rejoice with Jerusalem, and be glad because of her. Just a couple generations earlier, Jerusalem had been under siege. It was a horrendous and difficult time for the inhabitants. But now, the Lord God will spread prosperity over Jerusalem like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing torrent. The passage finishes with a bit of an odd phrase. When you see this, your heart shall rejoice, and your bodies flourish like the grass. What's Isaiah getting at here? That's a figure of speech that doesn't translate too well, but bodies is actually more literally bones. And it's probably a bit like, we might say, how a bowl of warm soup on a cold day is something we can feel in our bones. When the people see Jerusalem's success, they'll feel it in their bones. It's still we're uncertain about exactly what Isaiah meant by this phrase. And speaking of uncertainties, we've got uncertainties in spades in our second reading from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. It's the very last verses of the letter, and it'll be helpful to remember that in this letter, Paul is speaking against those who attempted to convince the Christians in Galatia that they needed to follow the commands of the Jewish law, especially circumcision. In contrast to boasting of circumcision, Paul says that he boasts in the cross. He also says that he bears the marks of Jesus on his body. The word for marks here is actually stigmata, a word quite familiar to us as a gift given to some individuals who mystically bear the wounds of Jesus' crucifixion, like Padre Pio or Francis of Assisi. But that's more than likely not what Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about sharing Jesus' mystical wounds, but rather all of the whippings and battle scars he's received for preaching the gospel have become a sort of tattoo or brand that identify him as a slave of Jesus. Because back then, slaves were actually branded by their masters for purposes of identification. And after all, in verse 10 of the beginning of this letter, Paul referred to himself as a slave of Christ Jesus. The great uncertainties in this letter arise when Paul says, Peace and mercy be to all who follow this rule and to the Israel of God. Now, there are a thousand different ways to translate this sentence based upon word order. Are there two groups here? That is, those who follow this rule and then the Israel of God? Or are those the same group? And then just who is the Israel of God, since this phrase appears nowhere else in his letter? Is Paul wishing peace upon one group and then mercy upon the other? Or mercy and peace to both? All of these questions really aren't worth getting into in depth. We move now to our gospel, and right off the bat, we have a hotly debated uncertainty here, too. Does Jesus appoint 70 others or 72 others? The best ancient manuscripts are split evenly between the two options. It could be that since the disciples are mentioned as being sent out two by two, translated as in pairs, 
one of those twos got tacked onto the 70 over time and became 72. But there could also be some intended symbolism in the number 70, since that's the number of elders Moses receives as help. But then, truth be told, in that story, if you count Eldad and Medad, who were outside the camp when the Spirit of the Lord fell upon the elders, then you actually end up with 72 elders. And then furthermore, Genesis chapter 10 lists the nations of the world, and in Hebrew, the list is of 70 nations, but then in Greek, 72 nations are given. In the end, we just can't say whether there were 70 or 72 appointed. And for this reason, many Bibles will actually write 72 with the two in brackets to account for the discrepancy. The disciples are sent in pairs not only to have an exit buddy when leaving a hostile village, but also because, as we'll remember from previous episodes, the testimony of two witnesses held weight in court. But even just practically speaking, imagine it. If only one person comes into our village and starts talking about Jesus, you're probably less likely to believe him than if two people come into town and both start talking about Jesus. Lastly, Jesus tells these disciples that they should greet no one along the way, and it seems a bit harsh. But Jesus could be either emphasizing the urgency of their mission or the concentration they must have, one focused solely on preaching and not so much on small talk. Either way, it could also be an allusion to when Elisha sent his servant Gehazi to a boy who had just died in 2 Kings chapter 4. There, Elisha gives Gehazi his staff to place upon the deceased boy and tells him, If you meet anyone, give no greeting, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Jesus could be recognizing that the 70, or the 72, have important work to carry out just as Gehazi did. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.